0: Wishing everybody a feilachon and a lechtig May it be a time of great revealed miracles for us all. We're learning Lukotei Sichas, parshas Miketz, Chelek Chav, Sicha Aleph. In this week's Torah portion we learn that Yosef married and two sons were born to him even before the years of famine set in in Egypt. The verse in Torah tells us, Uli Yosef Yulad Shnei Bonim, Rashi comments and explains the words before the year of the famine set in, and quoting the words in the Tractate in Tynus, says that it's from here that we derive that a person may not engage in marital relations during years of famine. The Teisvis asks the following question regarding this teaching. Yocheved, Moshe's mother, was born on the journey to Egypt, when a famine had already begun. Are we then suggesting that Levi, her father, transgressed a prohibition, God forbid? Similarly, this question is asked in regards to Yitzchak, regarding whom we learn in the Torah portion of Toldos that there was a famine in the land, and the king Avimelech observed him being intimate with his wife, with Rifka. Commentaries explain extensively and provide various answers to these questions among them, is that it's not a prohibition to be intimate, it's just pious behavior to abstain. Yitzchak and Levi were not specifically involved in this behavior. Or that before the giving of the Torah, this was not in fact a prohibition. Proof for this would be that this is only mentioned as something that's alluded to in Torah. A second explanation offered is that they were all still before the birth of their first child and had yet to fulfill the mitzvah of bringing children into the world, or it was night, and for these reasons it would not be considered a prohibition at all. A third commentary suggests that the prohibition is only when the nation is steeped in anguish. This was not the case for Yitzchak nor for Levi, as Yaakov and his sons had grain and were not anguished. Yosef, however, abstained from marital intimacy, as he did not know that his family had this provision, and that they were not in anguish. But according to these answers, Rashi's answer becomes perplexing, as Rashi doesn't deal with these questions around the actions of Yitzchak and Levi, even though he tells us of the prohibition. These questions jump up at us from the literal words of the verses regarding Yitzchak, who was observed by Avimelech in the Torah portion of Teldos, where Rashi explains that what he observed was that Yitzchak was being intimate with Rifka. And then Rashi's explanation in verse 12 of that same chapter that this was a year of famine and not just a period of famine. Rashi also tells us in his explanation in the portion of AYIGASH that Yecheved was conceived before they came to Egypt during the years of famine and born in Egypt. We can't explain this away by suggesting that Rashi is falling back on one of these earlier explanations As in addition to the challenging questions we presented on each of the explanations that the commentaries offer, the one same question remains, which is that Rashi does not even allude to these events. And Rashi's commentary, as we have often mentioned, is written in a way that would make Torah comprehensible for a young Torah scholar, so that he need not go looking for further explanation, the young Torah scholar would surely have these questions. Yet, these challenging situations, in light of this prohibition, are not mentioned in Rashi at all. So when Rashi just says, it's prohibited for a man to be intimate with his wife in the years of a hunger, without mentioning any extenuating conditions, it must be because it is in fact prohibited, A, or B, the prohibition is relevant to everyone with no exception, even to Yosef before Matan Torah, and even for those who are still awaiting the conception of their first child, and even if it is Mikvanite, and C, it isn't actually connected to whether our nation is in anguish or not. If the situation is that there is a famine in the world, then intimacy is forbidden. In fact, there's another surprising element in Rashi's explanation. Rashi says that it's Mikan, from here, that we learn that this is forbidden, that the prohibition is taught from this verse specifically and not from another source. But we do in fact learn in the Talmud Yerushalmi and in the Medrash Breshis Rabbah, that when noach was instructed by God, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons, and your wife and your sons' wives with you, the instruction was that upon entering the ark, intimacy was forbidden, And this prohibition seems to be the same prohibition as the prohibition of intimacy during years of famine, a time when the world is in a state of anguish and intimacy is forbidden. Rashi actually actually states this in his explanation in the portion of Nayak, the men separately and the women separately, because they were prohibited to engage in marital relations since the world was steeped in pain. This is said in regards to the way Noyach and his family entered the ark. In that case, how can Rashi say that it's from here, from the verse in our Torah portion, Mikan, that we learn that there is a prohibition of intimacy when our nation is in a state of famine or is in anguish, if this was already explained from the verse in the portion of Noyach? The explanation for this is in the very wording of Rashi. Rashi actually quotes the teaching in the Gemara, but adds the word mikan. It's from here, from our situation, thus clarifying that here, in the portion of Toldos, this is a new category of prohibition, and it's not the same prohibition as during the time of the flood. As in our discussion, it isn't that the very world itself is steeped in anguish, as it was during the time of the flood. At the time of the flood, it was the very world that was anguished. Not humankind and not animals, who were essentially wiped out. And those who were in the ark, who were being saved from the flood, his wife and his sons and their wives, were included in the world's anguish. So the situation in the portion of Nayach isn't like the lesson we're being taught in Kate's that when a number of people are anguished, we have an obligation to participate and to be with them in their pain. And this lesson, therefore, could not be learned from Nayak. We could not learn that in the years of a famine, there is a prohibition for those who are not actually suffering from the famine, like Yosef, who wasn't actually suffering from hunger, as he had no lack of grain, yet he abstained from intimacy during the hunger. The explanation, then, is that when we observe Rashi's exact wording, a person may not be intimate in the years of hunger, which are indeed the words of the Gemara, but different to the wording in the verse, which says that Yisuf abstained in the year of the famine. Year, we realize, that Rashi's purpose is solely to explain this verse. And to that end, Rashi does not even reference the Gemara as the source. And if Rashi isn't quoting this Gemara specifically, Rashi could have said, as the verse reads, before the year of famine set in, year in the singular. Rashi goes with a plural, years of famine. The difference isn't just in length of time, a quantitative difference, whether it's a single year of famine or longer. The difference is qualitative. A year of famine would suggest that the year is a poor crop yielding year, a year of hunger versus a normal year. But years of famine highlights a difficult era, not an aberration, but an ongoing difficulty. This idea is in fact mentioned in Rashi in the portion of Ayeshev. When the verse in the portion of Ayeshev in chapter 38 says that Yehuda was fearful of giving his son Shelah as a husband to Tamar, lest he too die like his two older sons, her two previous husbands. And Rashi explains this concept, saying, this was a woman whose husbands presumably die young. This is similar to our discussion. If this were just a year of hunger, a year that yielded poor crops, it's like a once-off created by circumstances relevant to the year, But when we're talking about years of hunger, we're talking about an era of famine that God brought upon the world. This is the literal intention of our verse. Yesef had two sons born before the famine. Born before the famine because there's a prohibition of intimacy even for one who is not suffering from the famine. The years of famine are not the norm. Heaven deals differently with the world in this time. The world is in a state of upheaval, and in that situation one may not be involved in the mitzvah of bringing progeny into the world and populating it. The prohibition is relevant only when we're talking about years of famine. As described, But when the situation is not one of years of famine, this era where God is dealing with judgment with the world, just a year of poor crops and a resulting lack, the prohibition is not in place. In fact, because there is a mitzvah to be fruitful and to multiply, so long as there is a suspected famine and not a confirmed situation, one may not withhold from this mitzvah which of course answers the question regarding both Yitzchak and Levi. In the time of Yitzchak, as Rashi points out, it was a year of hunger, not an era of famine. Similarly for Levi, Yecheved's conception was in the earliest part of the second year of the famine, a not yet established fact that this was an era of famine. Yosef, however, who knew absolutely that the current famine was the beginning of a specific time of judgment, the beginning of a seven-year hunger, was obligated to refrain from intimacy from the very first day of his knowing. And thus, Rashi says, it's from here that we learn that in every situation when it's clear that one is in the midst of an era of famine, one is prohibited from the act of intimacy. This lesson learned from Yosef, who knew A question here, however, might be asked, and that is that surely the interpretation and the solution to Pare's dream was publicized. Surely everyone knew there were seven years of hunger coming, and they could see it happening. Why didn't Levi withhold due to this? Simple answer is because Levi did not know that it was Yosef who interpreted Pare's dream. He knew that some servant boy not the usual interpreters of parei interpreted Pare's dream this way. So he wasn't going to not fulfill a mitzvah based upon a dream of Pare and the interpretation of some servant boy, particularly even when a Jew's dream has some element of nonsense, as we learn in the Talmud. So even if some of the dream interpretation was valid, the detail of a seven-year famine could just be what is considered or quoted in the Talmud as the nonsense in the dream. Accordingly, we can also understand why the Tur and the Shulchan Aruch and Erechayim differ from the wording in the Mishnah, and instead of years of hunger, say the year of hunger. In the Talmud, prior to the teaching that it's prohibited for man to be intimate in years of famine, the Talmud teaches that Rav Yehuda said, that Rav said, anyone who has food for himself but nevertheless starves himself in years of famine, will be saved from an unusual death. As it is stated, in famine he will redeem you from death, teaching us that one who refrains from eating when the nation of Israel is anguished will be rewarded. Following this teaching, the Gemara states that one who distances himself from his community during a time of anguish does not share in their suffering Two ministering angels who accompany a person come and place their hands on his head as though he was an offering and say, This man, so and so, who has separated himself from the community, let him not see the consolation of the community. Teaching us quite clearly that this prohibition is a matter of law, not because the world is experiencing an upheaval, and thus it's not a time to populate the world because the nation is in a time of anguish. So this isn't a prohibition that is relevant only in years of hunger, but also in a year of hunger when one's fellow Jews are in a state of anguish. That is, that situation. According to this explanation of Rashi, there's another issue that's clarified. In the verse in our Torah portion, we read that two sons were born to Yisaf before the year of hunger was upon them. From the fact that the verse references the birth of his sons as born before the famine, it's understood that the prohibition is not only in the years of hunger, but even in the nine months before it begins, so that the child won't be born during the famine. The question here that needs clarification is that our sages say that intimacy is forbidden in the years of hunger. So now we have clarity regarding this. It isn't only because one's brethren are in an anguished state that one refrains from pleasure, but also because the world is in a time of upheaval and it is not a suitable time for children to be born and to populate the world. This was only relevant to Yosef, particularly, who knew absolutely in advance that years of famine were coming. But the lesson that Rashi teaches, that from here we know for each and every person, those who don't know in advance, as Yosef did, that one must withhold from the pleasure of intimacy in the years of hunger. We are witness to the way Rashi's explanation on the Torah, which Rashi tells us is only to teach the literal intention of the verses, connects to the esoteric part of Torah. As discussed previously at length, just as the world vatsilus and the primary sphere of Atzilus, which is Malchus, the sphera with which God created the world manifests in the world of Asiya. specifically, the portion of Torah called Sod, the esoteric, which corresponds to the world of Atzilus, is uniquely connected to Pshat, the literal intention of the Torah that connects to the world or corresponds to the world of Asiya. In the portion of the Zohar on Vayetse, we learn that the days of famine are days of evil, and thus Yosef closed the flow in these days of famine. For the children born of one who opens the flow in that time are called foreign or strange children. The Zayar concludes this teaching saying that Yosef was particularly careful to ensure not to bring children into this energy of impurity. Even if the children would have been conceived before the famine began, for if their birth would be in the famine years, their birth would be into an energy of impurity. This applies to the explanation given on the Rashi. The prohibition regarding intimacy isn't because the nation is in anguish, but because the time of a famine is a time of hunger, hunger from God's kindness. Here we once again see the wondrousness in Rashi's explanations on Torah. When we study Rashi, just as Rashi says, With his explanation suitable for the five-year-old Torah student, even if Rashi quotes a Gemara, his intention is that the five-year-old Torah student will grasp the intention of his explanation. And within this explanation, many questions and discussions of the commentaries are answered, and we discover deep lessons in the inner part of Torah.